Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, what a mighty Mercury retrograde we're approaching. So quickly, Jen. Yeah, already. Yeah, it's almost got us a few times, but... We're smart. We've gone through this a few times. We're not going to let Mercury get the best of us. I mean, my, my communication's been pretty immaculate since then. Has it? Yeah. Well, my moon is in Mer- is, is in uh, Gemini, so my Mine mercurial too, nature. Mine is too, but I've been a hot mess. A, re- a hot mess? Yeah. On yeah. the hot mess express. <laughs> the hot mess express. Well, we got a really beautiful young lady actually in the studio to just be a hot mess with all of us today. Yay! Yeah. So she's from Long Beach and uh, the spiritual business coach for healers. She's been working as a healer most of her life, but devoted herself to learning the business aspects of healing since 2018. During her work as a healer, she's worked with creatives, Reiki masters, EFT practitioners, even attorneys. How about that? Yeah, now healers who are running their own healing businesses. A month before 2020, the global shutdown, she received a message from God. These are always the best stories. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, that her new role was to serve healers and teach them how to open their businesses. She's helped um, our healers generate over $50,000. It's a lot of moolah. During a global pandemic, especially in just 2020 alone, she's a witness, testament, and believer that the healing industry is growing rapidly. Her work remains dedicated in helping healers serve clients and gain the confidence in using their gifts to spread light uh, across their communities. She's also a host and founder of the She Who Heals Spiritual Business Podcast for Healers. How about that? Yeah, to talk about their services they provide. Uh, she's also certified in Holy Fire and Karuni Master Reiki. So she just does so many different things. Hey, everybody, welcome. Alyssa Barrios. How are you doing, Alyssa? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Doing very good. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and joining us on this Fine, fine Tuesday. Yeah. And actually, I think you're the first business coach we've had on that's also a healer. Oh, I which love is cool. That. Yeah, it yeah, is cool. And I have a lot of questions because uh, you have the experience. And my practice, of course, just changed since uh, the pandemic. I was actually doing sound healing prior to that. So I wanted to pick your brain on a few things and we'll go uh, really deep into that. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking before we started the podcast today, I wanted to ask you a question. That's not something that we normally do. But um, what happened in your day today that really stood out to you or that was like a magical moment? When I, before becoming a healer or? Nope, during, today. Just, just today. Just today. In the present moment. Yeah. Just today. Just today. And even if it's something small. Wow. That's a beautiful question. Today was a rough day. (laughs) Mercury retrograde. Yeah, I definitely felt it. I think probably I learned about Kali. Kali energy. I love that Kali. Yeah. Have you seen the picture of Kali? Yeah. Uh, She's going a little crazy in those photos. (laughs) So I was in um I was in a woman's healing group and I don't usually do women's groups. Um actually I don't know why. I haven't really stepped into a container of a healer group before and I was invited and so I stepped into it and all of a sudden Kali energy, I started learning about her and I just went into this deep meditation but movement meditation and I would say that was my day-to-day moment today where I just 
released so much pressure I was putting on myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't have to have every single thing figured out. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I get to actually be confused in some parts of my life and own it and love yeah. that. And I think as the role that I'm in and the amount of success that I've really had within this last year, I was putting pressure on myself. Yeah. And so Mercury retrograde was like, not today. Yeah. Not anymore. You're a human. <laughs> Don't forget. And yeah. so that was a really profound moment right before I got here too. So Wow. That's yeah. amazing. There's always those good like affirmations, those little simple things that come up in your field that mm-hmm. let you know that it's okay to not have things figured out. You know, I, I love Callie because she represents obviously the time that we're in. And if you um follow the Hindu sort of cycle of time. We're in the Kali Yuga right now, which represents pretty much everything that we're going through right now. The chaos and the order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. Um, I wanted to actually open it up with a quote that was taken from your Instagram. Oh, that's going to be a good one then. Yeah. (laughs) Let's hear it. Yeah. It says the hardest part of healing and obtaining wealth is unlearning all we've been taught. Mm Mm-hmm. Does what you've been taught no longer make sense? Trust that and do different. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean when you say that? It means to shut out what everyone else is telling you and start tapping into what feels good for you. So if there's things in your life that don't feel good, but you still find yourself doing them and believing in them, that means that you probably should redefine whatever truth or whatever story you're telling yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I had to do that. I had to do that. I was realizing I was working full time as a school teacher, Mm -hmm. loved the service, but it wasn't aligning with what I wanted in life. Right. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. just the freedom to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. The amount of money I know God is putting on my heart for a reason, because I'm here to do some really good things in this world. And I just had to start unlearning that I don't need this paycheck from someone else every two weeks in order to feel successful. And that was just one moment of having to deconstruct this belief. So yeah, it's really just shutting out that world and tapping into what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you leave teaching to to go full-time into your own business? 2018, I put in my notice in April. Mm -hmm. And the principal just said, you mean a lot to these kids, so stick it out to the rest of the year. And I said, okay, let's do this. And I did, and I'm glad I did. I I fulfilled Mm -hmm. my obligation, but it was tough being there for those four months. Okay, so you were doing both? Yeah, I was. yeah. I was doing both. And then when you have that awakening of, I'm here to do something bigger. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm here to lead and I'm here to step into my power. And then waking up and having to go to that full-time job and knowing like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be going right now. It really felt like it was yeah. constricting. And, you know, there were a lot of signs still in the moment of being a teacher that was reminding me that I wasn't supposed to be there. So I had to pray every day, keep keeping me safe, God, universe. Like I hear you and I promise I will be devoted but right now I want to fulfill this obligation in my human flesh. And I did, but it was, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. what part of that whole journey had emphasis on spirituality? Was that the catalyst for you to have that sort of awakening and venture out of that? No, not at all. It wasn't the catalyst. It was actually a part of the journey. The yeah. catalyst, I'll be honest, was I was, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, the catalyst is very personal. Right. And so you think about what parts do I want to share? Mm -hmm. Where do I feel safe? And then obviously the catalyst is so personal and typically it's a dark night of the moment of the soul of your experience. So you even tap into that embodiment of like, Ooh, I feel that restriction in the heart. Like, what do I feel like being open and sharing? But 
to answer the question, I was in a really dark place and someone that I loved had seen me in that dark place and they got very emotional and I could feel that their my pain was now affecting them. And they had cried to me. I've never seen this person so emotional and so upset. And obviously it was love and it was fear because of what they seen within me. And they said, I, I, I don't ever want to see you in that state of mind or in that place. And of course, leading up to that moment, it was just a buildup of anger and emotion and trauma. And I just got out my computer and God said, right. I started writing and that really reminded, that taught me that I needed help. I needed help. I needed a lot of help. So I prayed and I found this woman on Instagram. She was on a live talking about healing and talking about sound baths. And I just connected with her and that really led me into the moment. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, that, a great story. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And then Reiki, obviously, that that's a big part of your life as well. Mm -hmm. uh, did that Reiki practice, um, was that going on during that time? Or is that your, your Reiki practice something that you sort of fell into after you had left the school? So what happened was this woman that I found on Instagram, I connected with her. She was such a positive woman. And I had one call with her and we just really resonated. And I had no idea what Reiki was at the time. No yeah. idea what it was. Um, and she, I signed with her. I was desperate for some type of help and some type of support. And when working with her, she said, I'm using Reiki. And I said, okay, that's when the Reiki really started tapping into my own consciousness and meditations were very profound. The healing was very deep. I could feel the energy off of the calls with her. And I would come to her like, I'm starting to see visions. My body is transforming. I'm starting to eat differently. I'm starting to think differently. Um, I'm starting to have these dreams or I'm feeling like animals are talking to me or I'm feeling like I'm hearing more voices in my head, but they're not mine and they're not scary. Right. Yeah. Like it was, it was a and I'm not schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, so that's when the Reiki really started. And then after working with her for a consecutive amount of time, I said, I don't want to leave this Reiki feeling like this brings me peace. This brings me answers. It brings me support. It helps me not feel like everything's my responsibility. Made me f it makes me feel like I'm part of the universe. And the universe is part of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said, perfect. Welcome to Reiki one and two. So I did my course with her and yeah. just continued on. Yeah. Oh. Did you start um, in, as a Christian growing up? And, and, and did you go more into these sort of like metaphysical type of themes or, or do you still sort of sustain your Christianity today? I sus Christianity is a very, very strong foundation for me right now. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because growing up, I was went to a Christian school, but I was so smart that my parents decided to take me to public school because, you know, and it's interesting. I don't really understand why there could be deeper reasons, but Christianity wasn't practiced in my home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a very uh, chaotic home I was raised in. And when, but then again, I did have family members who were trying to bring Christianity into my space. But, you know, as a kid and as a teen and you get older and you start seeing adults telling you what to do, but then they're making a lot of, a lot of chaotic choices in their life. It's kind of hard to really trust that. Mm -hmm those words that they're telling you and the directions they're telling you to take when you're like, I don't know, you're doing a lot of bad things I see you doing. So I can't really trust what you're telling me right now. I found the Christianity again. I found it with, um, you know, again, you're in the dark moments. You need that light and the light always ends up finding you in some way. So Christianity now is a decision I made to be a part of. And no one really around me is a part of, they don't really practice Christianity. And 
I mean, who am I to say who practices what, right? Like I, I can't tell anyone what they do and what they're, what they don't do mm-hmm. or claim to be, but yeah, I'm very devoted in my church and it's not until very recently, actually the Reiki, I think really led me closer to God. It helped me understand the higher power in the Holy Spirit. So that was my, my next question is, you, you don't normally, and I'm all about just sort of dissolving the boundaries that exist between one spiritual denomination and another. But when somebody thinks of Reiki, uh, largely metaphysical sort of new age practice, kind of uh, paired with Christianity, those two things don't tend to go together, right? So considering like your role in the church and being really involved, do you ever have to have that conversation or do you feel there's some resistance that people uh, kind of come to you with knowing that you practice Reiki? That is such a good question. And I just discovered that recently. So when I was a Reiki, when I was igniting a Reiki practitioner, she came to me with this and she was healing through her own religious trauma and it was deep rooted religious trauma. And she came to me after the Reiki one and two, and she realized the power of the Reiki. She realized the power within herself and she's, very gifted, very gifted woman. Mm -hmm. And um, she came to me scared. She said, I need to turn this off because I think it's affecting my religion and I think it's affecting Christianity. So I actually started going into that direction as well with her. And she sent me a lot of books about Christianity and Reiki. So we actually opened up this whole new portal of, there are a lot of Christians who are devoted to the sacred text devoted to their Christianity, devoted to Jesus, but they actually do the Reiki. So when I was going into my journey through my church, I was nervous. I didn't talk to them about Reiki, but just past this past two weekends ago, I was baptized. I was so excited. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I saw on, on your Instagram page that you were actually baptized on my birthday. Of course. Oh. <laughs> so beautiful. How about that? It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. It's Happy birthday. Aquarian baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Submerged in the water. So, and it was interesting. So during my baptism, the lead pastor who had opened the church posted a picture of me on his Instagram and I was tagged and I got so nervous because I said, oh, all of the women in my church group are gonna find my Instagram. And you see on my Instagram, I talk a lot about spirituality. I talk a lot about Reiki. I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. So I got nervous. I thought, oh no, what did I just open up? What just happened? But the responses have been so beautiful, so supportive. All the women have really helped me. And I have a mentor too in the Christ group. And I talked to her about this conversation. I was like, I don't give any of my glory to myself. I don't give it to anyone else. I honor those who have brought the Reiki, who created the manuals, I honor them, but I do remind myself that it's the Holy Spirit, it is God channeling and working through the healing. And again, glory to God, glory to the Holy Spirit. And the mentor did remind me, she's like, well, it does sound like God is putting you in this realm of spirituality in these Mm -hmm. healing modalities with these healers and you're bringing God into that moment. And I really am. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you follow me and you see like a lot of my work stems from sacred texts, it does stem from the light that you find within Christianity. And of course there is good and there's bad in every situation. And I'm not saying humans perfect, but what I do believe is the sacred texts of the Bible of Christianity, it really helps bring light into people's worlds who have been exposed to most darkness most Mm -hmm. of their lives. 
Yeah. It's really refreshing to hear that you're integrating both of those, right? You're changing the narrative that people have when it comes to Christianity and these type of practices. So for people that aren't familiar with Reiki, can you explain a little bit as to what it is? Yeah. So Ray is spiritual consciousness and key is life force energy. So we bring spiritual consciousness into the life force, which is our physical self. So the, whoever's doing the Reiki is channeling Holy Spire, Holy Fire energy, Holy Spirit. They're channeling higher ascended master and connecting to their spiritual consciousness. And then that energy is going to help alleviate or release any illness or any negative energy inside of the body. And that is really just through your own palms and being able to feel the energy flowing through you. So it takes devotion to the practice. Of course, like anything, if you want to get better at it, it takes practice doing it, but it also, which is my favorite part, it really gets the mind and the emotion out of the situation and allows your spirit to do the guiding. Yeah, I love that. Do you have any like experiences that you've uh, like you recall or remember giving other people Reiki just so that other people know what that experience is like for some people? Or doing it on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so doing it on myself is really fun. I do it in the morning. I think it's such a great tool to integrate into your morning. I say in quotes, morning routine, whatever yeah. morning routine you need to do that day. Yeah. But um, I do it either during meditation or after I journal just to really ground myself and remind myself like you're human. It's okay to just like release because you can get really excited about some of the things that you're responsible for. And you can get maybe even excited in a nervous way of like, Oh, I have a really big day today. Or what am I going to do today? Right? Like the pressure of, I don't have anything planned. Does that mean something bad about me? But with the Reiki, I mean, you really just rub, I mean, you can rub your palms together, place them in the thumbs into your heart space and just say a gentle prayer ask God, ask Holy Spirit to be with you. And then you just allow your palms to go wherever they need to go. And then you really do feel that energy just like flowing through your arms, your solar, your gut. Um, my favorite is to like, just be on the womb space, remind her she's safe, all is yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So uh, you're a healer. And one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on is because you created your business out of doing that but it seems that your sort of direction that you were going kind of changed. And um, now you're assisting a lot of people that are healers in helping them monetize their businesses in healing, uh, which is a conversation that me and Jen are always really interested in because mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things, me being a healer, that it, it's always a difficult conversation to have. Like, how should you charge somebody for a spiritual service? And because spirituality kind of has this emphasis of, you know, not really wanting to touch on the monetary side. Um, I wanted to, to talk a little bit more about that. Like what, wh- what is it about helping people build their businesses in this way that you find compelling that drove you to get into that work? So there's so many different aspects of that and it really depends on the healer, but then it also, I do see, cause I can relate to it. One as healers, you're always giving, you are a natural giver. So I have to remind my healers, you are never taking too much. There is no such thing as you ever overcharging because that mostly likely will never happen (laughs) because us healers are naturally just givers. So one thing I do have to remind us is we are not here to deplete our energy. If you are drained after a call, that shouldn't be happening. If you are drained after a week of serving, you are not charging enough because you are not protecting your boundary of exchange. And that's mm-hmm. what money is, right? It's an exchange. It's you having that client exchange their monetary need in order to receive your spiritual 
wisdom and expertise Mm -hmm. and healing expertise because I mean, as healers, we've gone through this study most of our lives. We're now able to be open about this modality and these types of services existing, right? So that's something I really do talk to my clients about is knowing that you're never gonna over, over, you're you're always gonna be giving at this a very, um, real, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, that's, I'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we talk about this topic quite a bit on our show, um, about the guilt that healers experience with charging. And I, I could never really understand that because Eric kind of struggled with this too, when he first started doing his sound healing and he felt like, oh, you know, um, this is my gift and I should be providing this service to other people who really need it, you know, for free. But it's, um, it's tough to do that because then people don't take you seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the exchange, right? It's like the more you charge, the more people think you're serious and you're better, <laughs> which isn't always the case, but. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like when I think of, and it's like that you mentioned that money is like an exchange of energy, right? Like money does exist. We can't deny the fact that it exists, right? And we invest a certain amount of our life force energy in order to get it. And that energy, as long as we're in this 3D realm, gives us the ability to do the things that we want to do. So I, the, the way that I change the narrative in my mind is that they aren't just giving you money, they are investing in you. Mm-hmm. And I try to look at it that way. My, one of my main concerns when it came to the charging thing is like, you know, what about when someone doesn't have the money, but they want to do it? Yeah. They you need know. the healing, they want the healing, but they can't afford it, right? Yeah. And you know, if they want it, they're going to make it work. And if they, and yeah. if they, and that's the journey that they get to experience, right? Like you're not, we're not responsible for every single, and I don't want to call it issue, but we're, and this is something I tell my healers, you are not going to change every, you're not going to help them transform every single part of their life. Right. That's where the healing industry is so huge and it's growing rapidly. And the business, the industry, it is again, just growing immensely because there is always going to be something that unfolds that we're going to want assistance in working through. And that's why healers are all their expertise in their own way. So when it comes to your service and wanting to give that free service because they can't afford it, no, they get to see this is what's possible if I had that money that they're asking for, because you're our, you are the expert. You understand the value of your service. You understand what it's gonna do for them, not just in that moment of the session as well. You understand what that healing is gonna do for them continuously for days on, right. for, right? And so they're also gonna understand, and most likely, which m- most healers do, you open up some type of portal within this human consciousness that your client's gonna experience, and they're gonna be able to see life in a whole expansive new way. That's priceless. Yeah. So to see that that's an option to them, that if they spent $150 for that hour sound bath, that is always available to them. That level of healing, transformation, awakening, portal activation is always available to them. Will they be able to maybe afford it every week? Maybe not that at that moment, but they know and they have a drive of like, I want that sound healing. I know what it does to me. I know how it changes me. I know how it ripples effects into my family. It's healing into my own patience and my own love and my own peace. I know that that's available for me. So it's like, if you devalue your service, you're devaluing the experience that they're also gonna receive. And we don't want that. We want all people to come into their healing feeling empowered. Like I decided that I'm good enough for that. I am strong enough to make this decision 
that money is not going to stop me, right? I don't want someone to feel pity for me and give me a free service or give me a low rate service. No, 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 no. I want the best that I can get because I'm worthy of that. Yeah. And that's what I really think healers are. We have the opportunity to teach our clients as well. Like, I hear you. I understand. $1,200 to work with me for the next eight weeks. I know that's, that, that is big, right? Yeah, that, that's probably half of your mortgage. But I promise you, you are going to receive so much more than you can ever think. Mm-hmm. You're going to receive more than any materialistic item can give to you. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's really changing the narrative and the perspectives and helping our clients understand that, but it's a process. And I mean, we're all working through that still healers. We are, we are yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, I think about what people spend $150 on, like, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. that's like a, a coffee every day at Starbucks for a week. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I I like the, the, my question always has always been too, well, how much is too much? Right. And especially being a sound healer or a Reiki practitioner, the, the range always varies. And for me, it was always like, I had trouble with like, maybe is this too much money? Isn't that enough? But I guess from my experience, when I actually started charging for a sound bath, I noticed that once people uh, had the ability to invest in it. They appreciated it so much more. And at the end of the day, it is kind of impersonal. I am the facilitator of the sound bath, but sound in and of itself is a healing capacity. You know, that whole intrinsic practice of sound. I mean, you're contributing to somebody's healing. And that, I mean, I, I have an idea of how that's going to impact them, mm-hmm. but only they know the intensity of that. And that could, like you say, completely change somebody's life. And that is priceless, you know, and from what I'm hearing from your words is that you have a very loving intention behind your work. And I think that's the key because you're not trying to fuck somebody over. Right. Like your, your, your heart and your soul is behind this work and you can tell not based, not, not in a salesy way, but just in how you embody your practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that creates and cultivates the trust that people are looking for. And once you have that, and I imagine that's a part of your business is, is getting that trust, having that person know that, you have their best interest to where $1,200 doesn't seem like a whole lot because you know that that person has your back. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's what I remind my healers of too. I'm like, it's all quality over quantity. I mean, I'd rather have 10 to 15 people who really love my service and talk about it than having hundreds of people wanting my service and getting a $20 healing session over a $150 session because I'm probably not even going to really give that much if it's a $20 hour session, right? Like it's really about not only the client experience, but what you're really going to show up as, as a healer too. I mean, you really, I mean, and thank you for the compliment too of the love and intention I do have to this. And I want to also add that you can't really lie as a healer. I mean, if you're not the real deal, you're not going to make it in the industry. Like we're really working with energy here. I mean, you energy doesn't lie. So, yeah, that's true. So and one thing that we can all sort of collectively agree on also is that we're living in a very different time now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I know that that probably affected your practice and it definitely affected mine. Right. So how does that change the way that you heal and the, the way that you change um, your work? And I guess I want to segue into kind of the business model that you have now, which is helping healers, I imagine, kind of navigate through these difficult times. And, you know, if I really stepped into the outside world, I would say that we're in dangerous times and we're scary times. But when I really tap into my truth and when I really tap into my prayer and the sacred text and just really my own self, I really believe that we are in one of the most powerful transformative times because 
technology is growing rapidly. I mean, 5G allows so many people to be connected at once. Mm -hmm. And that means that so many communities have the possibility of building and connecting with one another. So for me, I'm actually like, I was having resistance and fear around it. What if technology fails? That's not the truth of it, right? And it's like living in fear. We all get in a car every day and we anything could happen in that car, but we're so used to that society that we drive. So it's like when it comes to technology, when it comes to this online platform, of course we can be afraid of it and feel like there's dangers to it, but the truth really is, is what is positive from it? And it really brings community together and it allows people to have their own platforms and their own individual voice and build the community because there are a lot of leaders out there who are here to do the work. I mean, yes, I have a role of bringing healers together and encouraging them to create their business and talk about money. Yes, that is my role, but there are so many other healers out there who have their own role, who have their own style of bringing communities together. So with social media and the platforms that are so available to us, I mean, we're able to create our own communities within other communities and sub communities and then intertwine our community together and just remind each other that there is room for everyone so social media technology it has really opened my eyes to the possibilities that are out there and i'm like if we can get more hands in if we can get more money in the hands of people like us more of that then i don't see a problem in that at all because i know money is opportunity i know money is more giving i know money provides like i'm all for the money and for all the opportunity because like you said, there's money everywhere. Like yeah. money exists. Yeah, yeah. People just need to change their relationship to money and not see it as just a negative thing because you know, that 1% of people or those large organizations are doing shady things. Like there are a lot of people that do good things with money, you know? And, um, it, it's, it, that's been my, my biggest thing is just sort of changing the relationship around making money. You know, and I think that that technology piece, it speaks to kind of what the age of Aquarius is all about, you know, innovation, alternate ways of doing things. And it's easy to kind of go outside and look at everything as worst case scenario. But uh, quarantine and this whole thing brought a lot of stuff to the surface. And especially if you're in the healing community, um, it calls for a lot of those healers in the community to actually rise up and give aid to a lot of people that are going through that sort of collective dark night of the soul experience. So I think now is the perfect time for somebody like you to have this type of business, helping people monetize their business online, you know? Yeah. And so, this is a perfect time to change careers too. And, um, uh, a lot of, hear me out on this one, um, <laughs> because a lot of people are, you know, struggling and a lot of people are displaced and being forced to change careers, right? So you don't feel as alone and you don't feel like the spotlight is shining on you because you, you know, are doing something different. Everybody is really doing something different right now. Oh. I, I mean, even us, like we started this podcast at the beginning of quarantine yep. um, because we weren't able to be out in the community around people doing light work that way. Mm -hmm. So um, this is the way that we could do our light work from home and and here we are. It's been a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That's a, another thing I wanted to go into because social media is a really large driving force with all of this. I mean, even even if we weren't in quarantine, the, the, it was already transitioning into these sort of platforms to help assist us in that. Now, I know a lot of people that because of quarantine, they had to move like sound baths online. Um, maybe do distant Reiki healing sessions. But what are some tips? Like, what are how do you start? when you help somebody monetize their business through social media? 
Well, one, it's asking them, do you want to use social media to monetize your business? Do you want to use social media to grow your audience? What's your intention with social media? Because I can teach all the different strategy. I can teach all the ways that I use social media to grow my business. But if you don't want to use social media or if you're afraid to show up on social media, that's going to be the driving force of your action. That's mm-hmm. going to be the driving force of your result. So I would th- that would be my first question to anyone who any healers out there who are really trying to grow their business online. What's your relationship with social media? Let's get honest there. How do mm-hmm. you feel about it? What, yeah. what? Yeah. How are you showing up? Are you are you nervous? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of what your family thinks? That's the number one thing I get from most of my healers. What are my family going to think? They've never really heard about me talk about spirituality. I don't want to hurt any feelings, but they have a lot to do with my traumas. And I'm like, yeah. I hear you. Mm-hmm. You can mute them. I've had to do it. I've had uncomfortable conversations. I still have uncomfortable conversations. There's people in my family I don't really talk to anymore because it's like the elephant in the room. But that's not going to stop me from making my impact. And I know, again, like I'm doing it from love and intention mm-hmm. of healing and diversifying all voices and really bringing light into dark spaces, right? Like darkness thrives in silence. Darkness thrives in isolation. So that would be my first thing. What's your relationship with social media? Let's start there. You know, we have a friend that just started a, um, a ramen business. It's called Shaman Ramen. Shaman Ramen. And, um, and he had a pretty big following on, on social media. I mean, he had like eight or 10,000, um, followers and um, he just turned his social media off because he was like, you know, I want to grow this business in a different way. And by being on social media and promoting this business, it's taking time away from my family. And um, and there's just so much negativity on the Internet right now. He was like, it, I just can't deal. I can't have it in my space. And um, and he completely shut it off, which I thought was a super bold move for um, for somebody to do that. But Shaman Raman is thriving. And so you don't necessarily need social media to have a successful business. I really enjoyed the shaman ramen, by the way. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, it seems sort of like a paradox because you don't think of ramen as the most healthy thing, but he puts like reishi mushroom in there, lion's mane. Yeah. There's some good shit in there. Oh, yeah, I am sold. Yeah. That sounds yeah. amazing. The cosmic coconut. Cosmic coconut. That's yeah, the one that's that I jam. really liked. Mm-hmm. Me yeah. too. Shaman ramen. But it's a little it's spicy. A like, yeah. And you know, good for him too, because it's like, you can literally, I mean, that's essentially what business is. You get to define it. And that's what I teach in my first module of my program. Cause I do lead healers through a six month journey because it, there's a lot of healing that goes into owning your gifts and stepping up and using them and offering them and talking about the pricings of them. But that is something I really target at the beginning of my work. It's like, what is business to you? What does success mean to you? Because I can't tell you that. I'm, Mm -hmm. I I can't tell you that. No one can tell you that. And if you really want to build a business that's going to continue to grow and be sustainable for your family's life, for yourself, for your sanity, for your gifts. I mean, that's why being a healer is so beautiful because every time you use your healing gifts, you are elevating yourself up. Um, but going back to no longer using social media, like you're right, you don't have to use that one day. If it's gone, I'm gonna have to figure out a new way of reaching my audience. But for us healers right now, I mean, at least for my clients and my targeted audience, most of them are on Instagram, right? So it's also knowing who your audience is, mm-hmm. where they're at online, where they're at in public, like maybe they're not on social media, right? So it's yeah. just really figuring out where your audience is and who you are serving. Yeah. What are some like common struggles that people come to you with um, people that want to monetize their business and expand on that? What are some things that you commonly see that these people go through? I commonly see, Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so could be the best, the only question. I would think like self doubt would be 
the number one thing, like yeah. the number one struggle. But I mean, that's just a guess. I don't. I'm I don't sure know. there are a lot of different things, you know. Yeah, and you know, yeah, that's that's a good question, and I I feel very like. Wow, that is self-doubt for sure will be the top one. And I I've that question means a lot to me because mm-hmm. I'm a manifester, so I see the grand vision. And I'm like, just trust me, let's go. We got this. You're gonna be fine. It's gonna be hard, but you're gonna get through it. And you're gonna serve and you're gonna make an impact. It's all gonna be fine. You're gonna put food on your table for your family. You're gonna be able to buy that thing. Like you're gonna be fine. But it breaks my heart because I do see so many healers who want to step in and help but they're so afraid of money, so afraid of money, so afraid of them not gonna be able to make it. And there's only so much I can do to even help you at that point, because it's like, if you are truly saying you don't have the money, you're gonna create Not have the money. You're not gonna have the money, yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, I'm gonna show you what's possible, right? Which is why I'm like, I generated over $50,000 in the first eight months of opening. That's unheard of really, at least for me as an entrepreneur, I've studied, I've asked other entrepreneurs and that's in the healing industry, right? Like an Mm -hmm. industry that at least for me, I didn't really know existed that um, vastly. So it's the money and then, yeah, it's the self-doubt. It's the self-doubt and the thing that they say often that I hear from healers and I never, I'm just, I'm such that strong son in Gemini who's like, all right, I'm gonna do this, let's do this. Um, It's the, well, I have to heal myself first before I help others. And mm-hmm. well, it's a worthy argument. Yeah. It's worthy, but I'm like, you're going to have your whole life to be healing yourself because yeah. there's always going to be something that unfolds. Yeah. You don't yeah. use it as a way to stop you. Right. You know, that's one thing I notice about, I mean, I'm, I'm a very empathic, very in, in sensitive person. We actually had a podcast um, over the weekend. We interviewed somebody that was an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. And um, the way that they move in, in comparison to other people, I mean, everybody has elements of uh, being highly sensitive, but a lot of people that I've met in the healing community happen to be very mindful people and they really care about other people. They really care about the impact that they're making on somebody else's life. But at the same time, that sensitivity can sometimes get in the way if they don't develop some sort of strength or resilience in their practice. Because for example, my first sound bath, nobody showed up. So what's the one thing that goes through your mind when something like that happens? It's like, should I be doing this? Mm -hmm. Is this the right thing to do? And uh, many people will stop at that point. They'll say, I'm not ready, you know, but I just continued being consistent with it. And I think maybe that's, maybe that's, that was the key for me, just being consistent, doing it because you love to do it. Mm -hmm. Not so much looking at it from a perspective of like how much money I'm going to make, how much should I charge for this, doing it just for the sake of the meditative practice and what I love doing it. So I think it really helped um, a lot of healers to develop that sort of almost that little fire, the little fire, mm-hmm. the little Aries <laughs> that can kind of push them through. Yeah. And, and maybe that would sort of like dissolve a lot of the fear that I imagine you go through when you talk to some of these people. Yeah. And I think you also have to go through that moment of like being fed up, like, okay, I've seen all the signs. I'm, I'm, I have to just step into this. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you though, when that happened, when you had no one showed up to your first sound bath. Do you feel like you learned anything in that moment? Do you feel like that had to happen for your journey? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, somebody not showing up would have never prevented me from continuously doing it. But I know that I've been in that position with lots of other things in my life growing up and throughout my life. And that's the one thing, at least from my experience and things that I've read, is that people learn the most from the challenges. Mm -hmm. I didn't really learn a whole lot from my successes because you're too busy 
sort of just being absorbed in the, the, the goodness of that success, but that's very short-lived. At least for me, success is, is consistency. And so when that happened and nobody showed up, I did get that feeling. And I think that's the feeling that we have to pay attention to. It's, it's that ego that comes up and says, who are you to think that you can change the world? And then I think of Marion Williamson's quote that says, who are you not to do those things, right? And so you get that feeling. You have to check that. You have to be aware of the fact that that's there. And you have to push through anyways. So I think that was the greatest catalyst for me because it did hurt. Like it hurt a lot. Sent out, you know, all the notifications and invites and I even rented out a space. And, you know, it's a big arduous task to haul in a bunch of sound healing shit. Yeah, it is. Like, mm-hmm. You have place. a lot of shit. A lot. Yeah. I mean, good stuff, good stuff. All the good stuff. All Big good sun stuff. gongs, you know, planetary gongs, just all the stuff. Like, I, I, I'm passionate about it. I love to do it. And I love, I love it because of what it, the, the, the beauty and the, that it's brought into my own life. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to share that. So when nobody showed up, it almost saw it as almost like a rite of passage in a way. Mm, congrats. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, that's a great thing. To, great thing to learn from. Yeah, I've never learned from my success. I've only learned from my struggle. Yeah, because yeah. it's one of those things that like are intense enough to just wake you out of your yeah. your sleep, and it could possibly you know, cause you to alter the trajectory of how you approach things. Yeah, so you don't get stuck in in stagnant, and you don't get stuck in just you know doing things a certain way. I think every challenge that I've ever experienced taught me something very fundamental about success mm, for sure mm-hmm. just like the cliche says that when you're at the bottom the only place to go is up yeah so. exactly the and only even, place to go is up and even when you're up right yeah. like i was just experiencing this this week i'm like wow life is so good what more could i need and i'm like wait it's only gonna go up from here mm-hmm. keep going yeah. up like yeah. keep going up yeah <laughs> and and it's really important because i've seen other people become successful and then lose their gratitude whenever they become successful. And I think it's really important to stay humble and stay grounded and remember who you are, that you're only a couple bad decisions away from starting over again, you know? Um, so just being gracious and, and, and having gratitude for what the universe is providing you is so important. Always. Yeah. It's like just doing it. I think it just comes back to doing it because you love to do it. Mm-hmm. I think just doing it because you're passionate about doing kind of sets the precedence that like you're not so concerned of whatever fame or recognition that you'll get for it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because you love to do it. The passion of it sort of ignites you and keeps you going. And uh, that can sort of prevent you from kind of over identifying with a lot of those roles that people take once they start becoming really huge. Yeah. And I know it's like an easier said than done thing, you know, like suddenly you're a millionaire and mm-hmm. you, you're, you, you're on this different playing field. It's easy to start thinking differently because people treat you differently. Yeah. yeah. But what's so beautiful is a testimony that you get to share with others, right? If you started from a place where you were in thousands of dollars of debt because you were just making bad choices and didn't know how to handle money. Not like I'm talking about myself, okay? <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit, but it's like when I do get to that point, which is not far away from here where, yeah, there's m- multiple properties I do own and who knows, maybe in the millions, right? Like there's, we're so unstoppable as human beings when we really have that connection with ourselves, our spirit, because it's true. Like we have so much power within ourselves with our belief systems and what mm-hmm. we want for ourselves and knowing we're worthy of it. Absolutely. But the point of that was just understanding that we all do have a role and service and that's going to change throughout the journey, right? Like right now I am serving healers. Where will, who will I be serving in five to 10 years? I'm not really sure. But I do know that 
where I started is only going up and I get to share that testimony and let people know what's possible, mm-hmm. right? Like I, how, when you think about your sound baths, like where you started to where you are now, you are able to share the amount of success and the story of like, I didn't give up, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is so valuable. And I think that we forget to share that with people of the challenges that we've experienced and how we overcame them because that really helps shine light for someone else what's possible for their own selves. Um, and that's what I think healing is so important to as healers to just share, even if it's just one situation that you feel you overcame, that could really help shift someone else's perspective and help them overcome in their own way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love the this the abundance sort of mentality that we're kind of approaching the healing because growing up, I mean, even like 2012, 2013, it was still sort of an underground thing. And it was still a very sort of esoteric thing. It wasn't as widespread as the sort of wellness community is now. But it's nice that we have like tools now, I would would consider your, your practice and counseling and helping people sort of monetize their businesses like a really important tool. Because back then, there wasn't that type of guidance. There wasn't somebody that can, can, you know, influence you and, and really kind of blow you up and, and give you the confidence that you need by showing you like your worth and what it is that you're capable of. Cause for a long time, it's always just been well, like, you know, you're struggling to get by because even when you talk to your family, you tell them you're going to be a healer. They're like, Oh, why well, are you going to make a living doing that? Mm-hmm. How are you going to make a living doing astrology or being a tarot card reader? So you don't get a whole lot of support from that sort of, you know, uh, gen, what baby boomer sort of culture. Mm -hmm. They have a very old fashioned Mm -hmm. way of looking Mm -hmm. at things. So now that we have business coaches and and people like yourself to help move that evolution forward is really, really cool tool to have. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm really interested. You said something earlier and this is kind of a backtrack, but I've been thinking about it since then. Um, You said that you started having, um, having dreams whenever you were on your journey um, through Reiki. Can you share one of your dreams with us? Is there one that was like really profound that kind of sticks out that you're like, oh, this was so crazy. So I'm a bad dreamer and I don't know if that exists, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't really remember my dreams. Most of my, but that's also interesting. I've been on this womb cycle tracking because of, again, as a business owner, you don't have time to face shadows all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right, face this one and let's get to work. No, no, no. I I don't push myself too hard like that because I do find the freedom and transformation in the shadow, but going back to my dreams, I would say most of them happened in the meditations. Okay. That was, yeah, that was about it. It's even better. Yeah. Those are the best kind. Yeah. The profound healings were just very deep and very, um, one that I, it's interesting where my mind goes because I like to share like the most beautiful ones, the most exciting ones, but most of the healing ones that I went through were very traumatic. And the one that I really, really, really remember the most and hopefully not triggering anyone, but, um, of course you can edit hopefully at any time, but, um, there was a moment where I went into a deep healing with my shaman, Reiki master healer, probably about seventh or eighth session in. And all of a sudden I started seeing this little boy and he was around a older man. And in this meditation, I was just envisioning and seeing this young boy, helping this older man with, let's just say like, um, what's the word I want to use? Like a, a lot of drug abuse was happening in this meditation. And it was just such 
a deep moment and I felt pain and I felt sadness. And then I saw this older man and he was just lost in his addiction. And he was actually asking this little boy to help him with his tools and with his met. I don't want to call it medicine, but with the substance. And then it was just this journey of just a story and just this vision. And it felt so painful. And it felt like a story of experience that I had to connect to. Why did I have to connect to that? I probably know in my own personal self, I do know why, but it was, and that's the thing, many dreams, at least for me, I go through really dark experiences um, in my dreams and most of the dreams I have are very dark, right? Like I'm in my autumn season, so I'm preparing to for my bleed, which my autumn is very shadow based. As a woman, you face a lot, they call it being moody and PMS, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of sadness of, dark experiences that you feel within that you don't always share. And so of course those dreams I remember, maybe one day I won't remember all the bad ones and I'll remember the cool ones, but that was probably one of the most profound dreams I had. And it really helped me understand why so much trauma was something I experienced in my life. And it was able to go back into a lot of the trauma that was probably around my family growing Mm -hmm. up. Right. And so of course, things start making sense um, through these meditations and through your healing. But it was one of those things where I developed a lot of compassion and forgiveness. And that's what the Reiki does. It really sets you into a deep connection with ancestors and with those who have passed over. When I went into my holy fire training with my the same shaman, she really guided me throughout my whole journey. Um, and it's beautiful because I get to do that for my clients is guiding them through their journeys of Reiki level ups. But in my Holy Fire session, again, I was connecting with family members who had suffered from addiction Mm -hmm. and I was connecting with them and they were talking to me and I was crying in these meditations because I had never experienced this before. And I felt so deeply connected to them like they were in the room with me. And at the time I was realizing that I was living with someone who was suffering with substance abuse really, really bad. I was also pretty engaged in my own substance abuse. At this time, once I found Reiki, I was stepping away from that. Mm -hmm. But the alcohol that I was really abusing had led me to that beginning part of the show. And I mentioned my catalyst, like of course is alcohol involved. Um, But it really connected me. Like there's a lot of addictive behavior that I was raised around and it's still very prominent in my home and not in my specific home, but in my um, lineage and my community of family. So gosh, it's, it's really tough to talk about and it's hard to put into words, but Mm -hmm. good question. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story though. Yeah. That's a really good story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. It even sounds like maybe it's a possibility that you have some past life trauma too, that was associated with addiction that brought you here. 100% my past life was very deeply like, so probably yes to addiction, but I also believe my past lives and I've been reminded of this and the Reiki again led me to movies and signs and discoveries. But um, I was I was pretty much chained up as a woman in many of my past lives before because mm-hmm. of the powers I've had, right? And is that, yeah. And I, <laughs> me I, too. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's a lot of women right now who, mm-hmm. I think that's why so many of us have so many deep powers and we're really stepping into our power and manifesting a lot of what mm-hmm. we probably never thought we'd be able to manifest because mm-hmm. we've lived so many lifetimes being chained up and told like we can't have certain things and we'll never be able to use our powers because we were so powerful. So now we're like, yes, it's our time. We're shining. No one's going to stop us. And it's truly a blessing that we get this opportunity to have so much freedom and 
power in our manifestations and creations and again giving it to the ancestors for yeah. paving the way oh i love that yeah, yeah. I love how the, the our past lives um, very much power, sort of like how we are in our present. It makes me just randomly think of Edgar Casey. So when he has this sort of his perspective of astrology and our, our our star signs, a lot of people think that our star signs sort of dictate kind of how the role that we play in our society. But according to Edgar Casey, he's a sleeping prophet. He's one of the most prolific psychics of our time. Said that the star sign that you are is uh, a sort of example of how you were in your past life. Right. And uh, I've actually had several sort of recollections of past lives and Hathers in Egypt and actually being a female. Mm. And so it was confusing for me growing up because a lot of my friends were female mm -hmm. and I never really connected with masculine energy very much. Right. So I had this, this sort of um, just this connection with more feminine energy inside of me. And I had to spend a lot of my time sort of healing that sort of. Uh, the masculine wound that I had in me mm -hmm. over how I grew up. And I know a lot of that had to do with um, some past lives that I've, I've had being a woman, um, also some past lives I've had being a man. So it's interesting mm -hmm. how our, our past lives affect us and in our lives. And when I think of healing, especially with like Reiki or even just me in general, it's like you're, especially when you have that sort of generational curse that some families have where you have addiction that just gets continuously passed, passed on, on over and over and over. Mm -hmm there's somebody within that lineage that decides to sort of take arms and introspect and do the healing, the real deep healing on themselves. It's one thing to do it for yourself, but the one thing that I do also acknowledge is that you're not only healing yourself, you're healing your entire family. Mm -hmm. I can't even say how true that is because yeah. that is, it's so deeply true and I witness it every day. I, I truly witness it every day. So it's like with this business or not, I love my business, I love what I do. I know what I'm doing is very impactful for many lives, but if the business was to disappear tomorrow, I'd be so grateful to just at least do the impact I'm making on my family because it's true. Mm -hmm. It's very true. I mean, the beginning of 2020, like I'm sure many leaders and healers who experienced January of 2020, we probably all went through some very deep, deep awakening that we weren't expecting right before COVID, right? Like when the global shutdown happened, like, that was just, oh, okay, a global shutdown. Okay, my January, February was already intense. Yeah, I went through a very traumatic experience. And even in that moment of decision-making, I'll very briefly share on it because why not? I had a partner who, I had a partner who was dealing with his own substance abuse issues and I left for a weekend and infidelity happened and that had never been a part of our story. So I never expected that to happen. And again, I was, I'm very one of the few in my family to say that doesn't exist in my life. I cannot mm -hmm. choose that life. I do not mm -hmm. want that life. And at the time, of course, I was going back and forth. Am I not being forgiving? Well, there is addiction in this, con there's a, there's a substance abuse happening. So, you know, so you start convincing yourself, no, maybe I should do what everyone else has done. Why shouldn't I forgive? But something deeply inside me was like, no. Mm -hmm. no no set that person free and set yourself free mm -hmm. go experience life and of course it's going to be painful and it was a pain that I was it was inescapable inescapable again I was one of the very few that decided no I, mm -hmm. I will not put up with that I would rather be by myself and sit in the most excruciating pain that I had experienced 
but it was like really choosing the type of woman I wanted to become and the type of woman Mm -hmm. I wanted to define. And I make a lot of decisions. Who knows if I'll have children, but a lot of my decisions, and maybe this will help someone listening is what do I want my daughter to see? What type of story do I want to tell my daughter one day? Right. Mm -hmm. That really has helped me make a lot of decisions in my life, making decisions to leave my job. Right. I was in Costa Rica one time and I was living there for a while and I was almost kidnapped out there. And the decision I had to make was, do I stay even though I could be targeted and who knows why that happened? Um, or do I leave and go back home where I am safe? And again, I had to make a decision. Like if I was to have a daughter, what would I want her to do? How would I want her to hear my story? And it's really helped me, but it's, I'm just grateful that I have this level of awareness because I don't ever want to share parts of my story that involve others in a way that puts others down or makes them think that they're doing wrong because I truly don't believe that. I really believe we all have a certain role in our life because who knows what decisions I would have made if I would have seen other members of my family doing things differently. I have gained so much strength and confidence in the role that I am in because of those that I have in my community and I'm grateful. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. You know, that, that brings up a couple relationship things for me, right? Because as, as a healer, naturally you want to help, help those people that are struggling, right? You see the struggles, you see what's going on, you know, especially with substance abuse and you want to make excuses and say like, okay, well, they really need me. I'm leaving them in their time that they need me the most. Um, and that's not always the case. You know, sometimes, sometimes, that is happening because you need to take responsibility for yourself and go on a different path. And, you know, you just have to trust the process and, and really go within and see, and really kind of like, we've done this for each other, you know, Eric and I, like even check in with your friends and family, um, because people on the outside see something completely different than you're seeing on the inside. Um, and sometimes you can't even trust your own instinct. So, yeah, it, it, and it's hard, especially if you're an empathic person. I mean, a lot of empathic people get get sort of lost in a lot of these codependent relationships with people that are maybe narcissistic or emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. because there's this uh, impulse in us to want to help them. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of those type of people in the healing community. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of those type of people get taken advantage of by more alpha, more, you know, divine, uh, I guess, toxic masculine, toxic feminine, wounded people. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to navigate through that. It's hard to say no to somebody that is hurting you because you have the resilience and you have uh, the, the strength within yourself to sometimes not be affected by it. You think, if I heal this person, then that will directly impact me and, and help me out as well. It doesn't end up happening that way. We always do it at the cost of our own happiness. And the one thing that really helped me put it in perspective is that you could be doing a disservice to them by not pushing them out of your life, Mm -hmm. you know, like you could keep them in that sort of stagnant, um, you know, repetitive sort of toxic pattern by thinking that you can help them. And also that is an egoic sort of impulse by us thinking that it's our responsibility to help somebody. And by doing that, we're taking their opportunity to heal away from them. Yeah. So sometimes they need to be left alone so that they can go through it themselves. And yeah, and sometimes their rock bottom is losing you, right? And if you stick around, they never hit the rock bottom. Yeah. Like you have to look out for yourself. Yeah, I would totally add on to that. And it's like an enabling, right? You, yeah, 
that ego of wanting to help them. And it's really, it's putting that attachment onto the potential of what could be there. Right. And what pressure yeah. is that to that person, right? So like, much. And I had to even, I had to even go through that healing for myself of like, why didn't I leave sooner? Because I knew that there was, I knew that I was enabling in some ways, but you know, it all happens for a divine reason. Mm-hmm. It all happens. Yeah. Cause Absolutely. we, we attach like importance to, I mean, this is, everybody does it. If you're part of the Western world, I mean, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say no, because mm-hmm. as long as you're spending that much time with somebody, you're investing a part of yourself in them. Yeah. And it's hard to not identify completely and just cut somebody off, especially when you see somebody struggling yeah. and you see somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been actually one of the greatest catalysts for change in me is learning to create a healthy boundary, yeah. a healthy boundary and saying no, not even just for myself, but for them as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure to have you on and you just have a wealth of information and, um, and such a great message. I just, you're a wonderful guest. Yeah. So if you had one thing to leave with our listeners, what would it be? Or maybe a couple things, but... Maybe three or four or five. Yeah. Three, four or five. Okay. Or maybe just channel it. Just channel (laughs) it from within, you know. Mm. (laughs) I would honestly say, one, you can't rush your healing. You can't expect to solve every single thing that is on your heart right now. Give yourself lots of grace and just ask for help. Ask for help from those that are living a type of life that you respect and want to help embody because we really are one like we really really are here to either remind each other that that's not the type of journey i want to go through or we're here to remind ourselves that we can have that right like we 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 can manifest this playing and dancing and making money right like I do that on my social media it's true that's what I'm doing or I'm in bed reading my book all day and still serving like you get to live the life that you want and it's okay to ask for help so I would say that and again not rushing the healing and giving yourself so 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 much grace and keep helping out each other I mean that's what we're all here to do right help each other out Mm -hmm. and just keep building community because I really believe community is so important right now yeah, that's absolutely. so important. I absolutely love that. It reminds me of that uh, song by Trevor Hall. It says, uh, you can't rush your healing. Sadness has its teaching. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Good old Trevor I Hall. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's I a really great him. message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for coming in. Yes, I know that we could you. have gone really, really deep down the rabbit hole. Actually, I did have some other questions, but we can, you know, we can save it for another time, Jen. Oh, I'm be- sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> it, it just came up right now. Oh, okay. But that, that stream of consciousness never, ever, ever stops. Ever stops, right. You know, this can turn into a three hour, four hour thing. Yeah. It just depends. And we didn't even get to the dream portion that I wanted to get to. I wanted to hear about your alien dreams. All about my alien dream? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, but the alien is, everybody gather around. Gather around, everybody gather around. gather around. <laughs> So I've been having these alien, I'm looking at my buddy there, alien, which we need to get a name for him, Jen, because I I feel like he does actually inspire a lot of the stuff that happens and goes on within our podcast. Yeah, he does. Um, And And actually, that is the reason why Alyssa agreed to come on our podcast, because she saw our alien. See, that's what I'm saying. It really is. This little Arcturian fellow here Mm -hmm. watches over us. And that's really synchronistic that you told that story, because he does bring us good luck. You have to have him on the table. Yeah. I've been always, I've been having these crazy dreams lately, just more alien 
alien type of dreams. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm pretty well versed in Pleiadians and Arcturians, and mm-hmm. it's something that me and Jen have had episodes about. Awesome. But just in the last, uh, I want to say a couple of weeks or so, I, I, uh, I've been seeing a lot of them in my dreams. So in this okay. dream, I guess I'll consolidate it, but it was this alien ship. Jen was actually in my dream. And it came, and it was so massive. It was so huge, right? And of course, it's a little blurry. I don't remember every single detail. I just remember the magnitude of how big the ship was. It was huge. And it was bringing people inside of the ship. And one thing I remember is that we went on this elevator that took us all the way to the top of the ship. And the way that I, uh, I guess, can describe this ship is almost like the chakra system. You have your root at the bottom. You have your sacral, your solar plexus, mm-hmm. and then it goes all the way to the top, which is the thousand-petaled lotus, your crown. Mm-hmm. And each one of these levels existed people. So they were allowing people into the ship. And depending on, I guess, where you fell on the spectrum of your chakra's journey, it brought you to whatever space that was. I noticed at the very bottom, it was more earth type of energy, which makes sense because that's what the root's all about. And then uh, as it started, started to go up higher, I noticed at the very top, it started to get more alien-like. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean alien as in like spaceships and shiny things like that. I'm just talking about, I didn't, I, I couldn't familiar, familiar, familiarize myself, <laughs> man, yeah. with uh, a lot of the stuff that was out there. It was just so, right. so uh, out of the ordinary yeah. and, and, and so alien-like. Yeah. But I know that when I was at the, the very top, it actually spanned above the clouds. It went above the clouds. And we were looking down. It was sort of this, one of the, the biggest things that I remember about the dream is how it made me feel. There was this feeling of accomplishment, this feeling of coming home, wow. this feeling of actually returning home, right? Because we, we've been on this planet for, you know, 30 plus years, depending on how old you are. But this feeling of returning back to a place that I know is more familiar than this one. And I can't even with confidence say that I actually had a body. It could have been some sort of spiritual ascension that was mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, but what an I, incredible start. That yeah, was a dream. Super cool, huh? Yeah, and it brought me all the way. And I have vivid dreams, by the way. I mean, I've dabbled a lot with astral projection and lucid dreaming in my past, so I've, I've wow. exercised that throughout my life. But um, it, it's, it's interesting because of the time frame in which it happened now. Because me and Jen have been talking a lot about, you know, uh, disclosure and aliens showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of in the media. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of stories about it. Have you guys been on airplanes lately? No. Yeah. Okay, do you feel energy in the clouds? I was just heading back from Mexico and I just kept feeling there's so much life up there. Mm-hmm. There is so much life up in the clouds. It is yeah. beautiful mm-hmm. up there. And it just, it feels like kingdoms and palaces. Like, did, did you feel that? Am I crazy? Like I- No, you're not crazy. I, I've always felt that. And I'm, I'm, I'm very drawn to like looking at the clouds whenever I'm on the airplane. I'm not one of those people that can watch TV and do all that. I'm like just looking outside the entire time. So yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. So much life up there. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. It's like an entirely different, I think I've interviewed a lot or I've seen a lot of interviews with people that are in aviation that ride planes and I've even seen YouTube videos of them, just videos. It's just, it's a different type of world up there. It's in the ether, the, the, the firmament. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if, if my, you know, I, I've, I've, I've sometimes have had dreams that have come into fruition or, or, or have some, somehow manifested in life. Not that I want or need the aliens to show up, but hey, if they're going to show up and my dream is, and if it's anything like my dream, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And actually you listened to our Akashic Record mm-hmm. episode and um, Sophia uh, read our Akashic Records. Um, I can't remember if she did it online or offline. She did uh, yours offline. Yeah. And she did ours online. Okay. So when she did ours offline, um, she said, oh, okay, um, um, we're getting into a spaceship. She was like, okay, they want to show you a past life. Are you interested in hearing about it? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, Eric's there. And she said, oh, this is your brother. You guys came from um, from your, your home planet to earth, um, intentionally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she was like, to, oh, to do, to do what you're doing right now. So, um, she was like, uh, Eric, whenever he talks to, um, uh, if he ever goes into the Akashic records to ask for the blueprint. So yeah. we need to get the your blueprint. Akashic records read so you can ask for the blueprint. I got the blueprint. You already got it. That's you already 20, downloaded 20, it. 2021. We just got to go in steps, you know? Yeah. yeah. What gotta a powerful. He's got it on a PDF. <laughs> powerful <laughs> on time. The cut it on a, I got it on a PDF. <laughs> yep. See, and that's like one last thing I would tell your audience or whoever's listening. It's like, release the pressure of this human, like pressure. It's like, release it. There's so much fun and magic and just so much life beyond this like physical body. And so it's just like, no. ugh release it, go have fun, do what you need to do and everything else will work itself out. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely love that. Yeah. It was a pleasure having you in, Alyssa. We have some of her links here. Yeah, so you can, if you want to get a hold of Alyssa, her website is Alyssa K. Barrios at podia.com. Oh, oh, it's .podia.com. Sorry, my bad. And uh, social media on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is Alyssa K. Barrios. And she also has a Facebook and um, it's CEO of the Divine. Oh, I love that. That's great. That's, That's a powerful. good name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there, are, is there any other place we can reach you? Yeah. You got any classes or trainings coming up? Yeah. Yeah. So my spiritual business program is actually relaunching in March. So signups will be happening the month of February. And I'm always hosting Reiki courses whenever I feel the call to host them. So if anyone's interested in learning more about Reiki, I mean, find me on Instagram and I'd love to connect and let's get you going. Wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you again. It was wonderful to have you on. Yeah. Wonderful to have you on. Everybody, thank you everybody for listening. And if you're listening to this on uh, any one of the streaming platforms, we also have a YouTube channel. Go ahead and go on there, like and subscribe, do all the things, keep up to date with all of our videos. Uh, This episode is actually going to be recorded. It is being recorded. You can find it on um, the YouTube. So go ahead and check back. Also, we're on Instagram. You can find us at Divine Nobody's Podcast. And uh, just join our community that we have there. If you have any questions, definitely reach out. Absolutely. If you have any crazy alien dreams, definitely let me know. Yeah, let us know. We got to know what's going on. We got to know what's going on, Jen. Right, right. We're seeing them in the sky. Uh, they're making their rounds. So a lot of your Palladian star families and Arcturian star families, I feel like they're right up there. You just got to connect. Yeah. Till next time, friends. Namaste. Namaste, friends. Namaste.